Hey everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Happiness and Humans. My name is Matt Phelan. I am co-founder of a business called The Happiness Index, and am I, I am here with Jeremy Dawson. How are you, Jeremy? Morning, Matt. I'm very well, thanks. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I've um, I've got uh, I'm on the a roof of a restaurant in London, and I've got London in the background. Where whereabouts are you? Um, I'm at my home in Sheffield, um, enjoying a lovely September morning as we record. Nice. So lots of sunshine up there then. It is at the moment, yes. Whether it will last, who knows. <laughs> um, Jeremy, before, um, I've, I've just realised I'm rubbish at introducing people, so I would love it for you to introduce yourself in your own words. Sure. So um, I'm uh, Jeremy Dawson. I'm Professor of Health Management at the University of Sheffield. Um, I have a background originally in statistics, so a lot of my work uses uh, data from across the NHS to, to work out how things work there. Fantastic, Jeremy. And um, how did you, um, you've got a lot of people starting their careers that listen to this podcast. How did you, um, how did you get into that? Um, well, like so many careers, it was almost by accident. Uh, I, I studied statistics and wanted to go into some kind of research environment and something that made a difference. But actually, uh, I didn't intentionally go into the NHS work to begin with. Uh, I got a job um, at the University of Sheffield um, working on another aspect of organisational life. In particular, it was uh, looking at how manufacturing uh, organisations could uh, help improve by improving their climate. Um, and then just through one thing or another, I got uh, into the NHS side of things. And uh, in, I suppose it really kicked off in 2003 when the NHS staff survey started. And the group that I was uh, part of, by that time I was working at Aston Business School in Birmingham, um, we uh, were the, uh, the group who led on the development and administration of the NHS staff survey for the first eight years. So I got a lot of familiarity with the NHS that way. Right. That, no, that's, it's, it's so interesting to hear the background because it's going to come very relevant as we go along, Jeremy. Um, but before we kick off, Jeremy, we have to ask you, what makes you happy? What makes me happy? Well, um, all sorts of things. But I suppose the one thing that almost inevitably will create happiness for me is uh, making music with friends. Um, I'm a cellist and a singer um, and I, I just love uh, I love making music anyhow, but especially if I can do it in a small group with friends, uh, it's absolute bliss. Wow. Well, it, um, if it, if you scroll back, um, Jeremy, a few podcasts back, we've got a session, um, an episode on whether music um, can make you happy, which I think you might. Wonderful. I will definitely listen to that. <laughs> um, so, Jeremy, the reason um, I. I that I became aware of your work was um, via another previous podcast um, by Henry Stewart, um, who told me about some of the some of the work that you'd done um, and pointed me towards the employee engagement and NHS uh, performance um, study from 2012. And I know we chatted earlier. It sounds like there's some more updates on that. But could could you tell us about um, that study and that body of studies and, and, and what your key findings have been? Sure. So um, engagement is a, an area of interest for, um, for myself and my colleagues as researchers, but also an area of interest for the NHS as a whole, uh, and particularly became so around about 12 years ago. Um, and so I got uh, really interested in how to measure engagement. Um, 
and managed to get a measure of engagement into the NHS staff survey. Um, and what we did after that is we decided to look to see what evidence there was for how engagement of staff was linked to a variety of different outcomes, outcomes for um, for the organisations, outcomes for patients, outcomes for staff, um, but also looking at what factors most predicted high levels of engagement. Um, and I should probably say at this point that when I say engagement, uh, as, as your listeners may be aware, engagement has different definitions um, and uh, different people will talk about it in slightly different ways. As far as the NHS staff survey goes, there are three different components to it. There's, um, there's a component which is about motivation or psychological engagement, um, which is the one probably most closely connected with happiness. Um, but there's also a component about involvement, which is really about being able to speak up and get involved in decision making. Uh, and also a component on advocacy, uh, which is how people, uh, how prepared people are to speak up for the organisation they work in, either as a place to receive treatment, uh, if they're thinking about patients, or indeed as a place to work. Um, so encouraging colleagues or potential colleagues to come and work for the organisation. And what we found is that all three of these aspects were closely related to a whole range of different uh, performance measures for NHS trusts. So, um, for example, um, we saw links with patient satisfaction. Uh, the higher the engagement in NHS trusts, the higher the level of patient satisfaction they saw as, as measured by large-scale national surveys. We saw um, strong positive links between engagement and ratings by the Care Quality Commission, CQC, um, both in terms of the quality of services provided, but also in terms of the quality of financial performance, which um, relates really to the uh, efficiency and productivity with which uh, organisations would run. We saw um, outcomes in terms of uh, patients' health, and in fact, there were significant relationships with um, patient mortality. Um, so we looked at uh, a standardised hospital mortality index, which um, controlled for as many different factors which might vary between organisations as possible. And we saw that um, when, uh, a, a, when an organisation was uh, one standard deviation higher in terms of engagement, and just um, for context, uh, for anyone who doesn't understand what that means, it, it would be a bit like going from being an absolute average trust to being one which is sort of just in the top 20%. Um, yeah. That's associated yeah. with... Um, a decrease in the number of deaths per year in an average hospital um, could be anywhere between about um, 40 and 100, depending on um, the, the year we were looking at. Um, and we also saw um, strong links with outcomes of staff, so health of staff, but also absenteeism and turnover, uh, and therefore financial performance of trusts, which is related to these, because the more staff are absent, the more staff who leave the organisation, the more difficult it is to uh, for trust to perform effectively. So, Jeremy, just just to to go back there because obviously you're you're so used to hearing that, but you're you're talking about a link. You, 
a link there between employee engagement and mortality rates. Was that correct? That's correct. Yes. Uh, Which for, 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 for normal people like us to hear is it's, it's obvious when you think about it, but it's absolutely staggering to hear that. Um, I don't know if you're just, you're just so used to knowing that information. Well, well, yes, I mean, there is probably something in that. I've been dealing with uh, research findings link um, staff factors to patient mortality for a long time. So maybe I've become a bit um, uh, a, a bit used to it so that it, it doesn't necessarily hit home as much as it should. It's worth saying yeah. um, what, we've, what we're talking about here are largely associations. So um, things that we can't prove, there is a causal link. We can't prove that yeah. when a trust increases their engagement, then it will follow that there will be a decrease in mortality. We think there is certainly yeah. an element of that, and there is plenty of uh, evidence of what links these things that would suggest that's likely to be the case. But of course, there are other reasons it could happen as well. It could just be that uh, there are some trusts which are generally better managed than others, and they will tend to have higher levels of engagement and lower levels of mortality. Yeah, and and just just to pick out one other bit because this is just for for us, Jeremy. This is so interesting, and I'm I'm pleased you made that um, that distinction between uh, of, of an association as well. Um, I, I'm just I'm reading directly from from your report, uh, the 2012 report, mm -hmm. because it's very topical to now. Which is engagement has many specific, significant associations, as you say, with patient satisfaction, patient mortality, but the next bit is infection rates. Um, and obviously, at the moment, everyone is obs obsessed with infection rates, aren't they, because of, of, of COVID-19. Do you think this research is even more important now in, in the era that we're in? Uh, I, I certainly do think it's um, even more important now. I wouldn't necessarily say that's because of the infection rates, um, although um, that was a part of it. Yes, we found a, um, a, a link with um, MRSA rates at the time. Um, We've not been able to do anything yet because we haven't had the data linking this with uh, COVID rates, um, but it wouldn't surprise me if there is a link. Um, the, the reason I think yeah. it's even more important now um, than ever is because um, the NHS is under tremendous strain. Um, uh, we all know that uh, we had a national lockdown to, uh, to tr help the NHS cope with that, um, but um, things are going to be poor, difficult in the NHS for a long time. Um, this isn't suddenly going to go away in the next few months. It, it may even get worse. We don't know yet. Um, and when organisations under that kind of strain, and in particular when staff are facing huge work pressure, um, both due to an increased workload and due to... Um, more staff themselves being off sick and other things breaking down that they would normally be able to rely on. Um, yeah. It's so much more important that the, the things that can help staff work effectively are, uh, are there in place. Um, and so that staff themselves don't get burnt out. Um, they're able to yeah. do the job that they entered the NHS to do in the first place. Um, and so that uh, they're able to look out for each other as well, because that social support is a really, really important uh, factor of any working life. And 
Uh, as many people will know, actually, from the last few months, um, those people who've been forced to work at home without necessarily having that social support, um, it does get more difficult. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah we've, we've seen in our data, um, Jeremy, something that we call an emotional deficit. Um, and we've seen that impact uh, people's happiness. Mm -hmm. And, it, and it, also, it also brings up to the, the subject of, of the NHS clap and clapping for the NHS, because one of the other things we see in our data, one of the, 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 the biggest associations with um, employee happiness is appreciation. Um, and, and obviously there was, a, there was some people in the NHS that were saying, we don't want claps, we just want the right equipment, which I totally understand. I don't want to get into that, into that conversation, but showing people how it does make an important, important point of how important um, appreciation is. So I just I thought I'd bring that up. Yeah, absolutely. I, and um, I, this is something that we've picked up in other research projects as well, actually, the benefits of positive feedback. Um, the, there's some research out there which suggests that um, ideally you'd have a sort of three to one ratio of positive to negative feedback to um, to enable effective working um, all too often. Very, that's very interesting. Yeah, I mean, and obviously it will vary from one situation to another and depending on the, the particular workers, but um, the, uh, all too often we see it kind of the other way around, far more negative feedback than positive feedback. Yeah. Uh, and that feedback can come from yeah. anywhere. It's really important that it comes from um, your supervisors and line managers, uh, but also within the NHS when you get it from patients and their relatives uh, and, and the general public, uh, I know it does make a difference. I mean, in terms of the clapping for the NHS, I think it was one of those things that when it first started out, it was uh, it was highly appreciated by many. As the weeks went by, um, it, that uh, the marginal effect of it became less. So it, it was probably right oh, yeah. that it, it stopped when it did, um, yeah. but. But yes, certainly the, the backing up of uh, that with actual hard resources, etc., uh, is what's going to make a, a bigger difference. Yeah, which, which is why, why this study and all your research is so applicable to the real world of business, because that, the point where we talk about mortality rates and, 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 and that being something that is the result of your work is very serious. But it, but it, it shows that whatever job someone's doing, it has that impact. And again... We see that when sometimes people see the appreciation um, studies um, and our research, they suddenly start um, becoming like the thank you robot where they just thank everyone for the yeah. sake of it because they've heard the research. But I always add the word heartfelt in. And I suppose that's that's the point, isn't it? If it's a real heartfelt thank you and appreciation, it, it's going to carry through. But if you're just doing it because you've heard the research, it, it possibly won't. Absolutely. I think um, being able to connect with people is the key there. If, if, if you're able to express why you're thanking someone in a way that shows you understand what they are going through then that really makes a difference jimmy um why why did you want to investigate this subject it's incredibly important and interesting to people like the happiness index and our customers and listeners but what personally drove you to to, to be interested in this subject well um as i explained earlier it, how i sort of got into the whole nhs um staff area was was almost an accident but once i did i realized how important um this was when i saw how much of a difference the experience of staff made to outcomes for patients and therefore 
you know, to the health of the nation. Um, yeah. it, it just seemed like a really important um, topic to, to, to investigate further. And, and knowing that there is a lot of data available um, at our disposal and because of my own background, I had you know, certain tools that enable me to look at this. I, I thought there were some great opportunities there. Um, you mentioned earlier some of the studies we've done since. So to give an example uh, of that, uh, a couple of years ago, I published a, a study which looked specifically at the areas of staff experience that most predicted um, patient satisfaction in NHS hospitals. And um, I mean, it probably won't surprise you to know that there are a lot of different areas that were, but but the um, the top four, I'll just uh, quote now, the, the number one, which is of little surprise to anyone, is um, work pressure. So the more pressure that yeah. staff are under, the more patients notice. Um, but the numbers two and three most important factors are, were really intriguing, um, because number two was the extent to which staff felt there were equal opportunities for everyone at work, regardless of their own background. Yeah. And number three yeah. was the extent yeah. to which staff experienced discrimination at work, either from staff or from patients, but it was discrimination from colleagues and managers in particular, which had, had the larger effect. So um, yeah. we've got these two different areas which are so relevant um, well, they're always relevant anyway, but especially this year as we see um, the fact that uh, COVID appears to differentially affect people from minority backgrounds, the Black Lives Matter movement and so on. Uh, and we've known for years that um, discrimination and lack of equal opportunities is a problem for staff in the NHS. But it was fascinating to see how much of an impact this made to patients as well. That that is yeah, and and that that's why I'm so yeah. We we're trying to do as much as we can at the moment on those subjects at joining up data pools, because we've got diversity and inclusion data and we've got happiness data, and again this is this is a, a hypothesis more than a than 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 proven yet. But if we know that um, that happier people and more engaged people um, perform better, and we also know that by um, by discriminating against people or, or not giving people an equal opportunity means that they don't um, that they're unhappy or not engaged then once you start bringing that data together you start to see more than ethical reasons um, because some people just will not understand it from from an ethical perspective they they get stuck in their own mind about what's what's right and what's wrong but once you've got the data that's showing that actually this is impacting the performance of people you then you've got the whole argument together so it's so fascinating that you mentioned that yeah and i i completely agree with you and um sometimes i think to myself it's a shame that we have to resort to a business for these arguments because there's so many yeah. moral and human reasons for for treating everyone equally exactly. and fairly but um but it, it's absolutely true that there is a business case for it as well yeah, I think the same about happiness every day. I always think, why do we have to make a business case for <laughs> happiness? But um, no, thank, um, Jeremy, this is my favourite question that I love asking people, especially um, uh, researchers like yourself. But what what's most surprised you in the, in this body of research that, that that you've been doing? Gosh, well, there's lots of different things that have surprised me. I, I think actually the 
possibly the most surprising finding is the one that I mentioned um, a couple of moments ago about the equal opportunities and uh, discrimination, but especially the equal opportunities for staff being so important in predicting patient satisfaction, you know, uh, way above other things that you might expect, like um, you know, good leadership and communication and so on. Um, and then also, uh, the, the, I mentioned actually uh, that the, uh, the, those were the top three predictors, but the fourth one um, was also really, I'm not going to say surprising, because uh, in my background, I've done a lot of research on this area, but it was it was the quality of team working that um, was the fourth most important predictor of patient satisfaction. And um, yeah. team working is something I've I, I've researched for more than twenty years now. So I, I was I didn't need selling on why it was so important and the fact that it could be so important, but it was um, a real positive, slightly surprising. Um, result to see it so important amongst those factors. And um, if people want to read up more on that, is that research that you're doing at the moment, or is that is that published? Is that can people? That, that's that? published. Uh, well, a lot of it is. So, so the the uh, study I was just talking about with the importance of the factors that was published in a report by um, on the NHS England website. Um, it can be linked to from my own personal website, um, and yeah. um, there are also. I don't know how many, but um, lots and lots of different uh, research papers and reports which link to the different team working findings that uh, uh, I've uh, published with colleagues over the years, uh, which can also be found via my website. Yeah, well, I'll write, I'll write, a, I'll write a blog post up on this and, and link everyone to those resources, including your website. Great, Jeremy. thanks. Um, so final question, we're over our time, but this is just so interesting. Um, I just feel like I still need to ask you the last question. Mm -hmm. um, What's um what's the future, Jeremy? Is are you doing any follow up to these studies? I know you just touched on a little bit there. Um, what, what's the future holding for you and research? Um, well, um, working in a quite a wide variety of areas, but um, to give one bit of that, uh, the, uh, the work on race equality in the NHS has become more important um, to me, and the the, um, the NHS workforce race equality standard, uh, which was brought in a few years ago. Um, and which means that every NHS trust needs to publish data uh, on nine different metrics comparing the experience of their white staff and their ethnic minority staff. Um, this is something that we've been doing a lot of work with uh, and are currently evaluating. And in particular, um, there's a programme going on uh, working with five NHS trusts to try and improve their culture, um, which will enable more race equality. Um, and that's something that we're working with the trusts and with uh, NHS England to evaluate as it goes on at the moment. So I think that that will be really fascinating to see how well that works. Yeah, and um, Jeremy, we need to chat again because we uh, this week we've we've released a new, a new equality product for people to measure how people are feeling about how equal the workforce uh -huh. is. So um, I'd love it if maybe six months, twelve months time we could. Um, do this again and have a geek out and compare some data that sounds great um jeremy I, my last thing to do is just say thank you so much i've learned so much and please never get too sensitized to how important that data is that you that you have there because it's incredible and thank you for sharing it with us no problem no problem thank you very much thanks jeremy